0: Hello again everyone, welcome to this episode of Cotton Grower Magazine's Cotton Companion Podcast. This week USDA told us that 6% of the 2023 U.S. cotton crop has already been planted. Now that's primarily in Arizona and the southern parts of Texas, and it's a good start, but it also signals the ramp up the cotton planting across the rest of the cotton belt. And we know growers are kind of chomping it a bit right now, trying to finish up corn planting in most areas and watching those soil temperatures pretty closely. I'm Jim Stedman, editor of Cotton Grower, and with me is my colleague and co-host Beck Barnes. Now Beck, just looking at our upcoming weather forecast, I'm finally optimistic that spring is finally here, and that's especially following a couple weeks with some uh, pretty scary storms across several of our southern states.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, you're not lying, there was a, I think it was honestly it was just about a week, a week and a half there in at the end of March, where we had terrible tornadoes down in the Mississippi Delta, down there in Rolling Fork, Jim. Uh, which, as you know, that's not terribly far at all uh, from my hometown of Leland. And so, yeah, I mean, I was uh, keenly aware of the folks that were impacted down there. And and then about a week later, we had uh, a rash of storms. Uh, really, kind of moved in tornado wise. I mean, I think they started spinning them off in East Texas and. One of them hit Little Rock and another uh, others in the Arkansas Delta across a lot of our cotton towns. And so, yeah, it's been a hellacious uh, little mid-spring or pre-spring, uh, if you want to call it that. Um, so, yeah, certainly our, our thoughts and prayers are with everybody who was impacted by that. And mercifully, yes, as I look out my window, it's a sunny, 70 degrees here in Memphis, and it feels like spring is well and truly here. My nose is running. My eyes are irritable. So yeah, it's
0: uh, it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's definitely happening. Now, if, could, if I could, if I could just get the the lower part of my yard to dry out here, you know, maybe maybe by next week. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Anyway, well, since our last visit, cotton market watchers have been paying close attention to several indicators that could impact this year's cotton crop, and that includes. The USDA planting intentions report that was released on March 31st, uh, turbulent cotton prices, continuing weather issues, and other economic indicators regarding inflation rates. So it's a lot to try to keep track of. So to help us out, our good friend Dr. O.A. Cleveland is going to join us in just a few minutes to try to help unpack all of this for us, try to make some sense of it, and look for some possible near-term marketing opportunities. and. As always, I'm sure it's going to be an interesting discussion. So, as the calendar turned to April, uh, Cotton Growers Crop Scan Ag Report has returned to uh, cottongrower.com. And that's uh, providing bi weekly field level reports from five crop consultants based in North Carolina, South Georgia, Mississippi, Central Texas, and West Texas. Now, in our first edition, uh, report says growers are focused on getting their pre-cotton preliminaries like burn down, final field prep, and corn planting wrapped up in anticipation of cotton planting beginning soon. With wet weather, has also been a concern everywhere but West Texas, which still needs some moisture prior to planting. Uh, reports are are, are pre- pretty simple right now as uh, as we're all waiting for planting to uh, to get started, and we're going to be sharing information from these reports in our Cotton Companion episodes uh, as we move through the summer. For the full reports, please go to cottongrower.com and look for the CropScan Ag Report segments. Well now, as I mentioned earlier, there are a lot of cotton market factors and issues to unpack right now as planting in most areas is just weeks away from beginning. To help us sort through these items, we're happy to welcome Dr. O.A. Cleveland, Professor Emeritus of Agricultural Economics at Mississippi State University, Back to the Cotton Companion. Owe, thanks for joining us today. Hope you're doing well.
2: My pleasure. It's always my pleasure to join you. Thanks.
0: Yeah, OA, uh, I second Jim's
1: uh, sentiment there. Man, we're happy to have you back here. And, and I wanted to just jump right in. Uh, we saw a couple weeks ago now USDA released their planting intentions report back on March 31. And they projected... 11.3 million acres of cotton will be planted in 2023. So that falls pretty much in the same range as what we at Cotton Grower Magazine predict, projected and what the National Cotton Council had projected a little earlier in the year. Uh, but considering the timing and the other market factors that have happened uh, since our projection came out in January, uh, were you a little bit surprised at that number, OAG?
2: Well, I still was surprised, yes. I'd first say all hell the cotton grower for the number y'all came out with. Few of us believed it at the time. It just did not seem to make sense to us, but we know that it was intentions that you, in, you picked up from growers. And lo and behold, uh, they just kept coming, and, and, and it proved you to be very correct. But there was still some doubting Thomas in me. I just did not think the economics were such the growers would uh, plant that and uh, of course a lot of that is based on having some weather in Texas that's where we can plant but uh, yes but uh, I think that's uh, definitely I think those intentions do come to fruition now.
1: Yeah I know you mentioned Texas there uh, OA and and uh, (laughs) I know like me you uh, are from Mississippi and so my contacts are specifically down there in the delta and yeah it wasn't long ago that I mean, several weeks ago when the market kind of started doing a little dipping and, and roller coastering, that, uh, yeah, I've heard a lot of guys down there in Mississippi saying they were going to switch out of cotton. But I guess that, according to this uh, USDA uh, projection, uh, that maybe didn't come to fruition? Or do you think that these acres that USDA is projecting, uh, there are some coming out of Mississippi, but uh, there are others being added elsewhere?
2: Well, I think there are some coming out of Mississippi. Uh, and but but there are others added Mississippi will be down somewhat but I initial reports had it down as much as 20%, but I would think at no more than 10, oh, you know, maybe 11%, but 10 10 11 12% something in that, in that area, the delta itself will probably be down. Uh, 10 to 15 percent but uh, other places will be down more uh, but uh, t- we're we're still waiting on Texas there's no doubt about that but we're beginning to pick up finally some good news there
1: yeah yeah we know uh, you know it's a fluid situation certainly up until the planters really start going so uh, uh, I mentioned a second ago away yeah it seems like cotton prices have been on a pogo stick to borrow a phrase uh, from Mr. Stebbin, uh, for the past few weeks, uh, they're being a low to mid 80s one day and then back into the back down into the high 70s the next, uh, then back into the 80s and so forth. So uh, right now, price seems to be settled in around 82, 83 cents as we speak today on April 12, the week of April 12. Um, What factors do you think are impacting that sort of pogo stick? uh scenario that we're seeing and uh, are there any opportunities for our growers to take advantage
2: well uh first uh, what what are the factors uh, the, the re- causing that pogo stick to, to go up and down first just in a, a very naive comment the market uh can will, will and will continue to go up 100 200 maybe 250 points and down the same just because it can. It is a market, it is a commodity market, and it has that kind of volatility in it. And it'll do that whether there's any rhyme or reason or not. Uh, But uh, again, the the overall factor in this market is demand or more specifically, the lack of demand, if I can uh, divert just a moment. The Talk about the USDA supply-demand report. For the sixth consecutive month, world trade was forecast lower in the USDA supply-demand report, the April report. So that just tells us if, if world trade is down, then exports are problematic on a world basis. It tells us that consumption is struggling. It tells us that consumption is not as strong as we had anticipated earlier. So again, it's the demand and that's the real factor. We're going to have to see either world trade increase or some minor increases in consumption or even just minor before we can say we're beginning to see some improvement in demand. So this market will go back and forth, but, and again, unless I'm jumping out of uh, the realm that you want me to talk about, I would tend to say that old crop, that is the May and July futures, unfortunately, that market's just dead in the water. It's going nowhere. Again, it can go up 200 points, 250 points, and down 250 points. I think we went up and tried 86, 87 cents, 85 to 87 cents, and then we went down and tried 77 76 cents the market didn't like either one of those two places so it's come back to the 81 to 83 83 and a half cent level Uh, and i think that's where we stay on a a a, a general basis of the basis old crop now i'm only speaking about there's a little bit different story for new crop.
0: oh wait look looking at that that number and you know you said right around that 81 82 cent range there's still some opportunity there for growers who've been sitting on old crop to uh to go ahead and make and make a move, correct?
2: I think so. Some people are saying don't make a move until the May or July hits hit 85 cents. I'm just not sure we will do 85 cents. Can we? Absolutely, we can. I'm prepared to unload as all of it or as absolutely as much as I possibly can at 84 cents. I think very positively and very probably we'll hit 84 cents again. But I think it's going to be short-lived and we'll slip back down lower than that. So growers do need to, to, to take advantage of that. Now, we're coming up uh, near the end of a month. Growers, uh, based on when they put their cotton in the loan, they may be looking at s- extending storage for another month. I simply would not carry cotton any further. I would not throw more money into storage. I would go ahead and let my cotton go. As as we warned all year that this was our, for several months, that this was a year that growers would end up paying storage costs. That's exactly what's happened. And again, there's nothing on the horizon. I'd love to be wrong. Hopefully I am wrong, but there's nothing on the horizon that says that we can get back up to 86, 87 cents.
0: Well, you mentioned the uh, April supply demand report and the fact that, you know, when I look when I look the numbers and, and trust me, I'm I'm looking at them from strictly from a layman's perspective on that. I didn't see, you know, no real changes for the U.S. market. Maybe just a little bump in export forecast, but you know, like you mentioned, on from a global perspective, uh, there's really nothing there that that sparks any kind th- kind of you know incentive at this point. It doesn't look like to uh, to move ahead, particularly with uh, And when it comes in terms of demand, is there anything else that you could read out of those numbers we saw yesterday?
2: Well, uh, I tend to pick up more bad news in those numbers than I do good news. But let me step back just a moment and look at the domestic numbers. You're, You're correct. USDA made little to to no changes in the domestic uh, numbers. They did increase US exports 200,000 bales up to uh, 12.2 million from 12.0. And they did that on the basis of we've had some fairly good shipments the last three weeks. And USDA is anticipating that that will continue they will not only have to continue, but they will have to rise of 10,000, 20,000 bales a week. uh, If in fact, we're going to make the 12 million bale estimate, but the USDA felt like they could do that and they did. The problem that I see there is, we're still seeing financial problems in Pakistan, we're seeing the earthquake problems in Turkey, and we're seeing financial problems in Bangladesh. Now, therein lies six of our major uh, markets for U.S. cotton. And three of those are in, in, are in very troubling situations. Won't get into the depth, but uh, uh, it's going to be difficult to maintain the, the exports to those countries. So we'll, we'll continue to have some, but maybe we'll, we'll have that level. Additionally, uh, as we move out of the U.S. numbers per se, well, let me stay there just one more moment. Uh, I know a lot of growers are saying, well, we're following classings data and classings are 200 to 300,000 bales too high. Probably classings could come down as much as uh, the U.S. crop could come down as much as 100,000 bales, not any more than that. So there's not any relief in the production side. Uh, As we also look at domestic consumption, unfortunately, I I would tend to say USDA could by the end of the marketing year, lower domestic consumption, one hundred to 200,000 bales. So any change in the production numbers will be offset by domestic demand. So, so those exports are still problematic. We've got 4.1 million bales carry over here in the United States. That's a good number. We can live with that. It might be a tad bit high to take prices into the upper uh, 80 cent level, but again, that's why the market is probably down around 82, 83 cents. Uh, the other numbers in the market, again, we, we lowered world trade, and that's always a problem. We, we, we reduced consumption, I mentioned these with respect to the United States, but we reduced world consumption on the basis of declines in Turkey, Pakistan, and Bangladesh. Again, major US markets. Uh, and 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 that tells us with lower world trade, we're just going to have less consumption. We we're producing this year 116 million bales of cotton in the glo- around the world. We're consuming only 6 million, 106 million bales of cotton. So consequently, there we've got a 6 million bale carryover or a 6 million bale increase in world carryover specifically. So we've gotten world carryover up to 92 million bales. That's a little bit heavy. That's kind of got a little cap on the market. It makes it a little difficult for new crop. But again, with the idea that new crop can can uh, can get in the ground and get up. I think the world economy will allow for some increased demand come March of twenty four.
0: I'm I'm going to come at at, at this from, from a slightly different perspective, right now, and it simply goes back to a, a comment I saw earlier this week saying, you know, this was going to be a busy week for the cotton cotton market with the supply demand report. But also with the latest numbers coming out from the consumer price index and the producer price index, um, the consumer price index number came out yesterday and it was up 0.1 percent, uh, which was about half of what I think they were anticipating. Um, you know, it's obviously a positive. Uh, how closely is the cotton market watching these inflation numbers right now, and is is this you know is this kind of good? possibly see a little boost in demand out of, out of some of this? Well,
2: it certainly relates to the cotton market. That, uh, that 1% is month over month, uh, not, not year over year. So it, it, it tells us there's still a bit more inflation in the market than the Fed would like. And the way that begins to impact the cotton market is that it tells us that we should anticipate another 25 basis point increase in the, free, in the Fed rate, that says that interest rates become move higher. That means typically that, that the strength in the U.S. dollar will be maintained. Now, then there's this long trail. As the U.S. dollar strengthens or continues to get stronger, it means that I have to have more uh, 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 Pakistani rupees. It means that I have to have more of my local currency in order to buy cotton. So it means U.S. cotton is going is going up, even though New York ice has gone down in my local currency. I still have to come forward with more cash to buy a bale of cotton so that it, it, the, the higher the interest rate, it tends to limit demand worldwide. What those numbers did not show and, 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 not, and weren't supposed to show. Uh, inflation in europe just as the us was some four or five months ago inflation in europe has hit an all-time high of course they have not been keeping those records since back to about 2020 2021 excuse me the year 2000 to 2001 so but uh, they're they're having a record high inflation so that's only half of the demand base in the sense if we'll Look at Western Europe and the United States, certainly much more demand than that, but uh, uh, in the western world that's the, those are the, two, the the two major halves uh, so the the in, though u s inflation was not up a great deal, the PPI, as you mentioned, the producer price index is a better indicator, and it last month showed that inflation was being tamed somewhat. but I think the Fed has to uh, be a little bit more convinced. Particularly given the uh, the general economic conditions around the world, i.e., Western Europe.
0: Okay. Well, you know, well, the one thing we really haven't touched on. we well, let's just touch on it real quick. Is uh, is weather? You know, you you look across the southeast and the mid south, and man, we can't seem to catch a break uh, between rainstorms and and everything else. And there are a lot of growers out there who've been trying their best to get the corn planted, get that stuff out of the way. And, you know, it's it's one day in, two days out of the field at this point. Then you look at West Texas, and, you know, there's just still su- sitting out there, you know, praying for, for rain. We know, you know, La Nina is, you know, is packed her bags and is moving away. And, you know, El Nino should be, uh, or, yeah, El Nino should be in there any time. Uh, but, you know, the big question is, will he get there in time for the planting season? So, uh What's 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 the market doing at this point? Looking at uh, watching weather, or just sort of sitting there waiting and see what happens.
2: Well, the market is very keenly aware of the mark of, of the weather situation. Speculators are sitting on edge, uh, wanting to get very bearish and push this market. Excuse me, wanting to get very bullish and push this market higher, and uh, that that that's 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 a possibility. Uh, they are considerably short now. So if any kind of little run could push prices up a couple hundred points, but uh, w- whether uh, boy, we opened a can of worms there as as, as we meant to. Uh, excuse me. Uh, I'm not going. I'm going to answer your question first off this way. I'm going to start back in uh, back over in the Carolinas. They they've been pretty wet, and they don't like the price of their cotton. There are some gins there that are looking at 35 to 55 percent reduction. And there's some major gin areas there. I'm afraid we're going to have a smaller planting in the in the southeast than I thought. Georgia's probably stable, but North Carolina and South Carolina, I think probably are going to be down more than we anticipated. Uh, and I just have to I have to ask this because a- answer this because I know you're not going to ask me not a lot of cotton in California now, so in a sense we say, well, it doesn't matter. But the Tulare Lake Bottom, with all the rain we're hearing in cotton, uh, I had the opportunity to see that Lake Bottom flood in 1982. And that's uh, got some, what, 100,000 acres or so, I forget exactly. But it's flooding now. And I stood on the levees of, uh, of, of the Tulare, Tulare Lake Bottom, where we grow cotton then, where we, 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 solid cotton, just about. Uh, and it looked like an ocean today that will run anywhere between five to 30 feet deep in water. So no production out of California, maybe 50, seventy thousand 70,000 acres, n- nothing out there. But that's a major problem in that regard with respect to quality and, and, and to Pima. But I'll skip over that and come back to Texas. We've talked all along about the necessity to see rainfall, to see a crop out of Texas, to see the drought broken. Otherwise, we're looking at a dollar or maybe more than a dollar in December uh, futures. Uh, they got very good rains over Easter. The South Texas crop got, a, got the million dollar rain. They needed rain. They got great coverage. The, we even got an inch to two inches in parts, sweetheart rains in, in West Texas. So the the long-range weather people tell us that this La Niña La is being broken, that we should expect rains. That was the first time that the long-range weather people's forecast has suggested it could be accurate. So I'm just betting on those the long-range weather people because they do have a good history, in my opinion. Consequently, we will get rains there based on that. Now will we get the range we need? I, that's very very problematic. Of course, they could come any time, but I'm not sure I'm betting on a full crop out of Texas. But I'm betting on the full acreage being planted. Uh, so, but and and that tells me that I have to like December futures. Whereas I, I threw out a number of a dollar a pound a few minutes ago, I would tend to think more realistically. December is probably constrained around ninety cents. Because we're not going to pick up demand until March, April of a year from now. Uh, so, uh, so, and we've got to have demand to push prices higher. So, I again, I like December, but we've got to live through some tough times, and the weather factors is, is is the key as we move forward.
0: Well, one last one last question for you. Any final words of wisdom or advice for growers? who uh, may be still sitting on old crop at this point. Now, you mentioned, you know, the, the price point, that 84 cent. Uh, any other any other advice for him right now?
2: Well, again, I, I just, I would say, consider, put down on pen and paper how much you paid for storage and what you could have sold this crop for earlier. Now, I'm not asking to, I'm not trying to say, oh, yeah, you should have done it, you should have done it. You hadn't, so it doesn't matter now. You've got to look forward to it to to the making the call as you just suggested. So I would tend to think that again, anything around eighty four cents, you may want to get to eighty three cents. By and large, I just simply would not want to pay any more storage cost. I wouldn't want to carry it to another month. Uh, That that's just the best I can say.
0: All right. Well, with that, OA, we're going to thank you for taking time to join us again today uh it's insightful as always so i guess at this point we're just going to wait for planters to roll and and see what mother nature has in store for us
2: well thank you very much It's always my honor i appreciate it and good luck and remember give a gift of cotton today
0: absolutely thank you oa thanks sir so all right that's
1: going to do it for this episode of the cotton companion podcast We want to thank, as always, our good friend, Dr. O.A. Cleveland for sharing his perspective on current cotton market. And as always, we want to thank you, dear listener, for joining us. Uh, We hope that you have enjoyed this episode. If you do like what you've heard, please be sure, spread the word, tell your friends, tell your farming neighbors about the Cotton Companion Podcast. Here's where and how they can find us. You can find the Cotton Companion in three easy ways. First, go to cottongrower.com forward slash companion, or simply click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. Second, subscribe to our channel on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts these days. And three, sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, the Cotton Grower e-news, that's delivered to your email inbox every Tuesday morning. You can do that by going to cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe. Also, be sure to follow Cotton Grower on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter. And
0: on Facebook, you'll find us by searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. Cotton Companion Podcast is produced twice monthly by Tyler Hatch and Kim Henderson, our talented colleagues World Headquarters for Meister Media Worldwide in lovely Willoughby, Ohio. I'm Jim Stedman, he's Beck Barnes, and we'll be back with you in two weeks with the next episode of the Cotton Companion. Yeah, he works and he works and he works and he works all day. God made a Yeah, he works and he works and works